This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live on a Monday, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is January 11th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who wants SpongeBob field goal posts in every football (gasps) broadcast, Jason Shepard. Did you watch that yesterday, Nickelodeon's... uh, separate broadcast of the NFL games. I didn't watch it, but I saw plenty of it on social media. Yeah, I took a screenshot and I said, this is all you need to know about the Nickelodeon broadcast. And it was uh, right before the Saints kicker was uh, kicking a field goal. And you saw superimposed, like they digitally put SpongeBob in between (laughs) the uprights. Look, for who it was for, it was great. My nine, almost 10-year-old son loved it. For me, I was like, all right, I appreciate why you're doing this. I don't need to be told what a flag means. And I like, but I get it. I get why you're doing it. But for me, I just, I couldn't watch it. So, but it was great for who it was for. I loved the explanation of Taysom Hill on the Nickelodeon (laughs) broadcast. Kids, he's the guy at recess that can do everything. (laughs) It made perfect sense. And this is brilliant by the NFL, by the way, to create interest for the younger generation to essentially earn more money moving yes. into the future. Well, look, look, I love the idea that they're trying to uh, present sports in a way for kids that are learning the game that maybe they can understand it. For that, I think it's fantastic. Look, I did, look, there are a lot of times in my life, especially nowadays, I'm sure you're, you're with me on this, where things happen and it just makes you feel really old. And <laughs> so... Part of their graphics, when somebody they would put up uh, the stats of one of the players, it would have you know their name, their number, but then it would also put like their favorite Nickelodeon show. And all of the shows were mostly from the the mid to late nineties. Yes, and I'm like, wow. Like <laughs> if I had to answer my favorite Nickelodeon show, it would have been like uh, Double Dare. <laughs> And uh, you can't do that on television. Well, that's where the slime initially That's where comes the slime from. started. Double but Dare. It just made me feel really old. The Danger Mouse. What was like, the name of the host of Double Dare? Mark Mark Summers. Mark Summers. That is right. Shout out to Mark Summers. <laughs> Where's that guy? What's he doing today? Did we just do an early riser shout out to Mark Summers? <laughs> What's he doing today? He's on the Food Network. Ah, yes, he is. Yes, he does a, uh, a food. I know so much useless stuff. <laughs> That's the title of the show today, Jason. <laughs> I know so much useless stuff. Mark it down. I just want Patrick uh, to call missed field goals. Wide left. <laughs> That's all I want. What's that guy doing now? I can't imagine he's that. Dauber. Yeah, coach. Dauber. That's yeah, right. I yes. Don't I don't know. Uh, now that we've uh, slimed up the first part of the show, here's the rest of the show lineup to try and clean things up. Is the college football playoff ever going to include the other guys, and where will BYU football end up in the final AP poll compared to the usual college football blue bloods? When you say the other guys, do you mean Will Ferrell and uh, Marky Mark? Or Sure, yeah, let's go that direction. They're representing teams like Cincinnati and BYU, right? Okay, okay. ESPN's Trevor Maddich will answer the question I just presented. Plus, he makes his case for why Ohio State just may have a shot to beat Alabama in the national championship. Don't forget NFL playoff awesomeness, not on Nickelodeon. The Cleveland Browns and Sione Takitaki in a shocker. 
takey-takey away the Pittsburgh Steelers' <laughs> Super Bowl hopes. And here's a shout-out from King James. Here are today's BYU Sports Station headlines. How about this? Brady Christensen named a consensus All-American, becoming the first Cougar to do so since Dennis Pitta back in 2009. I know that's not going to make Jerem very happy. This is the 14th consensus All-American in BYU history. Also, former BYU offensive line coach Eric Mateos was officially hired to the same position at Baylor. So some detail as it relates to the consensus situation. There are five major notable uh, publications that release their All-American That make teams. up the consensus, yes. You have to finish first team in, or on one of those teams, at least two of those to be considered consensus. So, hey, well done to Brady Christmas. Absolutely. A winning weekend, as mentioned, for Cougs in the NFL with Sione Takitaki and the Browns beating up the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. Takitaki's game-clinching interception late earned him an all-caps shout-out. <laughs> From longtime Cleveland native and Browns fan, LeBron James. Technically, he's an Akron native, but he's a Browns fan. Yes. Just two words, Taki, Taki, and then exclamation points. Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints beat the Chicago Bears to earn a matchup with the Tom Brady Buccaneers. Daniel Sorensen and Jason Shepard's Chiefs will the host Chiefs. the Browns after their bye week. Jamal Williams and the Packers earn a date with the L.A. Rams. Green Bay, of course, coming off their own bye week as the top seed in the NFC. Men's basketball will look to regroup this week after a loss at number one Gonzaga. BYU on the road at St. Mary's and San Francisco on Thursday and Saturday. And if we're checking our daily BYU metrics in terms of where BYU stands, Ken Palm at number 65, uh, net 41, Whoa, okay. which is down three. And the BPI Cougars right now at 40. So there's your, uh, your metric update. One other hoops note, BYU's game at Pepperdine that was originally supposed to be the West Coast Conference opener on December 31st. That will now be played in Malibu on January 27th. And all of the Cougars that get to go to Malibu rejoice. (laughs) BYU Gymnastics opened their 2021 season and finished second in the best of Utah meet, losing only to fourth-ranked Utah. The 17th-ranked Cougars were led by senior Abby Miner Alder. In the all-around, she finished second and scored a 9-9 on the floor. BYU with a 195.7 as a team overall. Pretty solid score coming off all of the unique challenges that gymnastics teams had to work through. Next event, Saturday, January 16th at Arizona State. In a meet held on Friday, BYU swim and dive sophomore Brad Prolo broke the school and pool record in the 200 butterfly as a swimmer. I, I hated that one. That one was so difficult. The women's team came in first in seven events. At the dive invite hosted by Utah, Kennedy Cribs took the top spot in the women's one meter. The rest of the team's schedule has not been released. They just released the brand new AP College basketball poll. BYU receiving 18 votes in spite of getting blown out by uh, Gonzaga. Oh, no, sorry. There no were 18 votes. prior to there the game. 18 last week. No votes after being blown up by Gonzaga. So there was some negative impact, even though all of the metrics in the net and the BPI and Ken Palm jumped up. How about that? Look, is the college football playoff people in charge of this? <laughs> is that what's happening here? Speaking of, Jason, <laughs> all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. It's the same old story. At least it feels that way since the college football playoff was instituted back in 2014. Seven years into this, 
can tell you that it's going to be Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, and a few other teams that get sprinkled in as the fourth team. In fact, Kirk Herbstreit on the College Football Playoff Show a few weeks back said, I'll tell you what's going to happen next year and the year after that and the year after that. It's going to be Alabama coming out of the SEC, Clemson out of the ACC, Ohio State out of the Big Ten, and then if not Oklahoma out of the Big 12, some other Power 5 team that is arguing to get their way in. Jason, it's just oversaturated, or at least it feels that way to the average college football fan. How would you change the college football playoff system to make things more exciting? Look, the easy answer for me is just more access. That's the answer. So expanding the number of teams in the playoff, that's what makes sense to me. And let's be honest, this is coming from a perspective of a team that doesn't have access from BYU's perspective. So, of course, that's what we're wanting is the ability to have the access to there. Now, you still have to put in the work. You still have to do the things that put you in that position. But to have the access, I think, is is what you want. Look, new blood always brings excitement, but the current structure just doesn't allow for it. The way things are currently set up, and that's why Kirk Herbstreet was talking like he was, that he knows how this is going to play out year after year after year because the current structure only allows for that to happen. Look, in giving college football the same possibility that we see in college basketball where you have Cinderella teams, it makes so much sense. But then again, the current system isn't set up that way. And based on what we've seen so far, look, this isn't what the power conferences want. They don't want to have other people have the access because then there is at least a chance, maybe a minute chance, that one of their teams doesn't get in if they expand it out. If they have to play a team that maybe it's one of those teams, just like in college basketball, you get hot at the end of the year and you just get on a roll, they want to protect their teams that they know have a decent chance of going. So you're just not going to get a groundswell of support from anybody that's already in. And quite frankly, I can understand that. If BYU was already in a situation where they had access, do you think I would be fighting vigorously for access to others? Probably not. Well, guess what? BYU's inclusion, or at least we dream of this at some point in the future in the Pac-12, wouldn't help BYU right now because the Pac-12's not getting into the college football playoff. So the Pac-12 conference is in favor of expansion. That's why you see guys like Joe Klatt, who is a West Coast guy, played his college football at Colorado, spends a lot of time covering college football playoff games on the West Coast with the likes of USC and Oregon. I know he does the Big Ten as well, but he is petitioning for an expansion, 10 teams. 14 teams, 16 teams. He kind of made uh, a big splash on social media over the weekend. And here's why with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jason, four teams have taken up 20 of the 28 selections in seven years of the college football playoff history. Four teams have taken 20 of the 28 selections. Alabama and Clemson with six each. Ohio State and Oklahoma with four each. It's just fatigue for the average college football fan. And and there is, I get it, like we all want to see the Blue Bloods. We, we like to watch Alabama and Ohio State, but there is this idea of just give the other guys a chance right. because what if? And you know what? If they expand it to eight or ten and the other teams that are not usually included lose to Alabama. You can't argue it then. Fine. 
fine, fine. But at least they had a shot. That's what people like about March Madness is they like the small guy to have a shot. But in reality, they still want Kentucky and North Carolina and Kansas and Gonzaga to be the teams at the end because it's just high-level basketball. Nobody wants to watch Middle Tennessee State play for a national championship. Most don't. Other than the Blue Raiders fans, it's just like, eh. Because we've seen some Cinderella's get to the Final Four. It was cool. Loyola, Chicago. But ultimately, the, the Blue Bloods, Duke, Kentucky, they win, Jason. Yeah. They, well, they win. Well, and the schools that make it. So just look at the two that we're talking about tonight in the national championship game. Alabama. And I know th- – I know there's a, there's a lot of you hate Alabama. I don't hate Alabama. I actually have no problem rooting for Alabama. In fact, that's who I'm pulling for tonight. I have no problem rooting for Nick Saban or the Crimson Tide. So roll tide in terms of tonight. <laughs> uh, but but they're, the, they're the teams in college football that generate the most income for themselves and for college football. That's why they're there. Hey, And, and college football is not going to complain because these teams are making a lot of money for them. Well, if you expand it, you make more money. So well, there's also that. All right, topic number two. Uh, with the 2020 college football season officially coming to an end tonight, the final rankings will be announced tomorrow. So, Spencer, how will the final AP ranking for BYU, how will that impact the way you view the 2020 football season for the Cougars? Not a ton, just because we're so ingrained, but it would be a nice cherry on the top to steal an oft-used cliche for BYU to finish in the top 10 for just the fourth time in program history. It would feel validating to be in the top 10. BYU hasn't been ranked in any AP top 25, the final one anyway, since 2009. So the fact that they're going to finish ranked is unbelievable. It's a big deal. It's unbelievable. So let's not lose sight of the fact that BYU will finish the season ranked, but because Florida lost, Coastal Carolina lost, uh, Georgia goes down. Oh, sorry, Georgia beat Cincinnati. Cincinnati goes down. There's room for BYU to move up. How much? Can BYU jump up three spots and end up in the top ten? That'd be, that'd be fantastic. It would help with national perception. Oh, BYU was the top ten team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. They were awesome all year. We watched them. It was great. They deserve to be in the top ten. So it'll help national perception, a little bit of momentum going into the next season. Uh, but ultimately, for me, it's like if they finish 11 or 12, the season still has been remarkable and unbelievable. The fact that BYU played 12 games is just amazing. Yeah, it's really not going to have much of an impact on me, other than I'll probably get angry and roll my eyes because, you know, I just assume BYU's not going to get the credit it deserves this season because that's what we've seen so <laughs> what far. What gives you that yeah, idea? Exactly. Look, my feelings on the season are going to be based more on what I saw and experienced myself. We know how good this team was. That's what I'm going to hold on to in terms of what this season actually means. And based on what we've seen from the rankings this year, I'm not too excited for it anyway. Although the AP has been much more kind and I think realistic to what BYU has done this year than obviously the college football playoffs. I think we can agree on that all year long. You know, BYU is a top 10 team in there. Now, when this all breaks tomorrow. I, I guess I expect BYU to probably come in somewhere between 10 and 15. I think that's probably, I thought I saw Brett McMurphy put out his AP poll this morning and he had BYU at 14. I well, he's been low basically yes. all season long. Yes, he has, but he has them at 14. I expect BYU ultimately to come in between 10 and 15, but there's no question in my mind that BYU definitely made the case to finish 
as a top 10 team. I, I hope that's the way it plays out because I think this team uh, earned that. But in terms of how I will view it, I'm not going to put a ton of stock in what some guys on the East Coast may or may not have seen BYU do. The statement they made against UCF was a good one for you know, going off into the sunset, if you will, Zach Wilson and those guys. If I had to put a number to it, I would guess it's number 11. I am guessing that BYU will finish number 11 just outside the top 10, just enough to annoy me. Yeah, just like, they oh, one spot so close. In the top 10. But I, I am guessing 11. I hope to be pleasantly surprised BYU sneaks into the top 10. I think that would be... Uh, a deserved nod from the national media after what BYU did. Okay, so l- let, me, let me ask you this really quick. If they do end up as a top 10 team, does that add to your – even though you, you think, and we both agree, we think they have certainly made a case to be a top 10 team. If it gets validated that they are, does that change how you look at it? A little bit. Because I think, I think it does a little bit. It makes our argument you know, that much more validated right? and loud. Like, see, uh, told you. Told, told you. You know, the writers, the national media, it's not just BYU media, it's the national media that is respecting BYU. So, yeah, th- there's some prestige with the top 10. Again, BYU's only finished in the top 10 three times ever, Jason. Yes. 1983, number seven. 1984, number one, of course. And 1996, number five. It does not happen. So, if they get in the top 10, yeah, I, there, there's some prestige there. By the way, prestige, great movie. Of course. Great movie. Of course. Top 10 movie all time? Mm, I don't know. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Our question of the day. How will the final AP ranking for BYU have an impact on the way you view the twenty football, 2020 football season? If at all, let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Daniel Arujo answers on Facebook. Papa's brother? It's spelled the same way. Araujo. No different. My view is based on what I saw. The AP rankings and college football playoff are corrupt for the most part. I wouldn't put the AP rankings and the college no, football playoff in the same ilk. Not this year. <laughs> a lot of the AP writers were very, very yeah. vehemently opposed to what the college football playoff was doing. Anyway, continues. What I saw was superb. Great job, BYU, and looking forward to many more years of being a fan. Hashtag BYUSN if you'd like to join the conversation, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, we mentioned it a second ago, a Cougar getting a shout-out from King James. Plus, is ESPN's Trevor Maddish excited about tonight's college football playoff matchup? And how does a team like BYU get involved in the future? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tomorrow night for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope as the coach and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, review the game at Gonzaga and then preview the two road games this week. Plus, you can watch features like Deep Blue and the Film Room at tomorrow, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the BYU TV app. Massive week for BYU men's basketball and their bracketology positioning. We are live in Studio B on a Monday with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Teamed up alongside Jason Shepard, I am Spencer Linton. It is now my privilege to welcome in ESPN college football expert, insider, and analyst. He is a BYU national champion, Trevor Maddich, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline for another Maddich Monday. Trevor, did you get your football feel uh, over the weekend with six NFL wildcard games. Crazy stuff. We get the extra NFL wildcard because of the way they adjusted it 
this year. You've only got one bye, and so there was a whole lot of good stuff going on. But my Tennessee Titans, they lost to the Ravens, and the Ravens danced on the logo in Nashville. So now what do you do? Look, what, what, is, what was the biggest surprise to you over the weekend in the NFL? Because you, you kind of had to – and I don't ultimately know if the Ravens winning at Tennessee is considered that big of, of an upset, but certainly Cleveland winning at Pittsburgh is. That's the one. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. And Sione Takitaki with that interception yes. in the fourth quarter, <laughs> that was phenomenal representation. But, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, they were, what, 11-0. And then they lost to Washington. Then they kind of struggled for a while. They seemed to get it back. But it seemed like they had their swag back, and the Browns should not have been able to go out there and do what they did. But what a game by Baker Mayfield in that offense especially. And then Sione Takitaki to get that ball. I hope he still has it. I hope he wasn't so excited that he threw it into the stands. Upset special for sure from the Cleveland Browns, their first road win since the late 1960s in the NFL. On to college football now, the college football playoff national championship tonight between Alabama, the heavy favorite against Ohio State. That means that the AP poll, the final one, comes out tomorrow, Trevor. And so let's talk BYU first. Where do you expect BYU to show up in the final AP poll when it's released tomorrow? You know, I think they'll move up. I mean, that bowl game against UCF was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they moved the ball up and down the field, and by now, hopefully, the people doing the polling, the AP people, understand that BYU had their third-string center in Gunner Pay, who did a great job, and they continue to move the ball up and down the field against UCF. So I don't know exactly where they'll be. Uh, it would be interesting if they can approach that top 10 again, but if they move up, it gives them momentum, and that's what they're really looking for. You know, we were having this conversation, Trevor, just in terms of, look, it's, it's Alabama who you expected to be there, Ohio State. You know, maybe you expected Clemson instead, but Ohio State, it's not like they're, they're a stranger to being in this situation. But these are teams that we're used to seeing in the national championship game. Does, does this excite you as a college football fan? Do you want to see something different? How do you feel about this? Yes, it excites me. Listen, it's greatness. I celebrate greatness, and sustained greatness is harder than having a great season than dropping back down. And so people complain that the same suspects are in the playoff every year, Alabama, Clemson, the likes of Ohio State and Oklahoma and folks like that, and they're upset about it. Well, okay, there's a solution to that. Beat them. Come on, Illinois. Rise up. Beat (laughs) Alabama. Get into the playoff and do something. Make some noise. Beat Ohio State on the way. And so really when you look at it, People think that those blue blood programs have all the advantages and you can't duplicate what they did, but that's not true. They do have advantages, but Clemson, when Dabo took over, was a pretty average program. And for the first six years, they won one ACC championship. That's Clemson under Dabo Sweeney. Then they ripped off five in a row. And I think this one might have been six. So it took them a while to get to where they are now. They didn't have Clemson a single million-dollar-plus donation before Dabo. Now, all of a sudden, with Dabo, it is commonplace for donors to donate a million-dollars-plus to the Clemson Athletic Program. And so if they can do it in a small town in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, other people can do it too. And it's coming from the group of five, it's a different issue. But in the power five, you've got the cash flow coming through that you can duplicate it if you have the commitment. So I am fine. I am fine with these same teams being in it now with the big names and the blue bloods, because what we have is a clash of titans, 
and I love the excellence. As you pointed out, a lot of fans say they're tired. They have fatigue from this excellence, from the Blue Bloods continuing to dominate. What has to change other than beating those teams out of the way for college football to, and, I, and I'm so hesitant to say this word, be more inclusive of the other teams? Well, there's no inclusiveness in college football. There's only brute caveman take it. That's it. You walk into the other guy's camp with your club, you knock him over the head, and you grab his mastodon stakes, and you make him your own. That's what you do. <laughs> and the way to do it, though, is, again, to follow the Clemson model. But there's a disparity, not just in income, but especially a disparity in commitment in different, different schools and different conferences as well. The Pac-12 is trying to rise up in terms of national competitiveness, but there's, there's things they've got to do to improve the commitment from the schools to football if they want to get there. And you look at Vanderbilt, for example, in the SEC, they're getting all that SEC network money. I mean, they get a ton of money. But for many, many years, it wasn't going into the football program. So you walk into the football offices, and they don't look very good. You walk into the stadium, and it's antiquated. You walk into the locker room, and it's not what they're competing against when it comes to recruiting because that money is going somewhere else. And when it comes to approving big fundraising drives the university and then the athletic department have to approve approve that and they don't always get the support that they need in order to do that and so these are things that have to happen it does take money it takes a lot of money but then it also takes the understanding that it takes a while to get it built up and anymore if you don't win in three or four years as a coach you're out well remember Dabo under that Sweeney uh Dabo under that Sweeney under that standard, would have been out before he started his run of ACC championships and then national championships. And so it's also a matter of perspective. I think social media hurts programs that are trying to do that more than it helps because things get so hot when coaches are struggling that they don't, they don't have the time necessarily. Keep in mind that what athletic directors want out of their coach is not necessarily to win. The first priority is the athletic director is thinking, coach, don't get me fired, right? And so a lot of times they will have a shorter fuse in terms of what they're willing to give to that coach in terms of time to build. And I see coaches like in Texas, uh, Tom Herman, you know, was there for, what was it, four years. He's got a terrific young core of players coming up for next year, and he wasn't given the opportunity to coach those guys because it didn't happen fast enough. Okay, in this microwave society, we're not doing what the Dabo model was, and I think that's what needs to happen. If you're in the camp of wanting to see some different teams at the end of the season playing for the national championship, there are a couple of options that would at least seem like uh, possibilities to do that. One is that the current you know, four-team uh, situation, uh, maybe the, uh, the college football committee changes the requirements or the protocols that will allow other people into the current four-team model, or you just simply expand the college football playoff. Which do you think is more likely? Well, I think if you expanded the playoff, you'd still end up with the same top four, and you'd still end up with the same same top two most <laughs> years. Somebody could get hot and win a couple of playoff games. You'd have to win more than one if you expand the playoff. So uh, Boise State against Oklahoma, something like that, would not be as available because now you got to back it up and do it again after you've been pounded down as a smaller team. But I'm for expanding the playoff to eight teams. But it's not because I want more opportunity for teams to play. It's because the way the four-team format is right now and the way the committee handles it 
is, has been detrimental to the value of conference championship races. And I think that's really bad. The way the committee treats conference championship races is as basically a, a regional sideshow. And the conference championship game is a, uh, an extra data point that they'll have to evaluate. And the championship itself is a tiebreaker to be applied at the end of the process if they couldn't differentiate teams by other means that they think are more important. Well, to me, that's bad because one of the things that's been great about college football for a century is these championship races. And if you have an 18 playoff where you've got five power five champions, regardless of record, that are in the playoff and then three at large to clean up the rest, every single region of the country has national interest. Every region has reason to stay with it, even if their team, their champion, may have lost a couple of games early. And now their best teams don't have a possibility of being in the playoff because they're out of it in September. But then they get hot at the end, right? Well, those fans have a reason to care about the national picture. And I think that's why they should increase it to eight teams. Now, another side of it is there's been so much revenue lost with COVID. Increasing it to eight teams would be an injection of funding that is really necessary. Not so much for football programs alone, but because so many universities have dumped non-revenue sports, a lot of Olympic sports, even places like Stanford, one of the great athletic departments, top to bottom, puts tons of Olympic sports um, athletes into the Olympics, for goodness sake, out of Stanford, USC, and places like that. Even they have dumped and dropped, I think, like 11 different sports. And so I think the 18 playoff would inject more money, and hopefully some of those, those sports can come back. ESPN's Trevor Maddox with us on BYU Sports Nation. Hey, I'm with you. Eight is great for a college football playoff expansion, but here we are. Four teams in it this year. Ohio State stuns Clemson. Alabama expected is there. Who do you have winning the national championship tonight, Ohio State or Alabama? Well, I think it's Alabama, but Ohio State is sort of an unknown because they only played six games. And so over the course of the regular season, They didn't have their chemistry and rhythm all together in one complete performance. And part of it was the six games. Part of it was because so many guys missed several of those. So where Ohio State was heading into the Sugar Bowl against Clemson was where Alabama was two months ago when they had had six games in. And so it all came together for the Buckeyes against Clemson. They put in a complete game, and they played so well with great chemistry and rhythm on both sides of the ball. And if they play the same way, if that wasn't a one-off, but if they're able to continue that in the national championship tonight, then they've got a chance to beat Alabama because they've got the tools to do it. As a matter of fact, in some places, they have advantages. One of those is on offense, where both teams have strong running games with powerful running backs. Both teams have fast receivers that can get downfield. But Ohio State's Justin Fields is – a, an elite runner, whereas the quarterback for Alabama, Mac Jones, is yeah, he can run a little bit. But really, if Mac Jones is scrambling around and carrying the ball, that's what you want if you're Ohio State's defense. If Justin Fields is scrambling around carrying the ball, if he's healthy, then he's a threat to go all the way. And that's the biggest advantage that Ohio State has in this game. So the Buckeyes have a chance, but everything has to really come together. Trevor, let's focus on some BYU storylines. Last week, uh, BYU wasted no time once Jeff Grimes was officially named the new offensive coordinator at Baylor. Uh, BYU promoted Aaron Roderick to the offensive coordinator. Fessy Satake also promoted on top of uh, his wide receiver coach duties. He'll now be the passing game coordinator. What are your thoughts on A-Rod now being 100% in charge of the offense? Oh, I think it's great. 
And I think there's been a, a good runway that's been established with Coach Grimes. And so I think what they'll do is kind of continue what they were doing. But I think those two coaches will put their own stamp on it, which is also important. The thing about BYU is that they've always been their best when they have they have structured the offense and the defense towards what they do best in recruiting. If we talk about the offense, because that's what the changes are, BYU has always been able to bring in uh, a, a quarterback that can throw. They are historically good at tight end, and they are especially historically good at offensive line. They can bring in big road graders on that offensive line. If they can develop them into a, a cohesive whole, then they're going to be strong there. And so I don't see a whole lot of difference from what they've been doing in the past. Now they've got turnover at quarterback at offensive line and things like that. I get that. But ultimately, I think they'll kind of have a similar approach with a different twist based on what Coach Roderick really wants to do and what his vision is going to be. But if they depart too far from that, I think they'll be departing from what historically has given BYU their best chance to win. Trevor, always an intriguing conversation. We appreciate so much that we get to talk with you every Monday. And just so you know, if uh, you're interested in the offensive line coach position at BYU, there's an opening. We can put in a good word for you. Well, that's good because I, I work for blessings. So, you know, I, I help the budget. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what matters most. Trevor, great to talk to you. Enjoy the national championship tonight. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Always love talking with Trevor. He's fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of, coming up, will we recognize the new BYU offensive line coach? Plus, are you putting more stock into ESPN's Jay Billis or Joe Lenardi when it comes to BYU's position in bracketology? This is BYU Sports Nation. Which one has BYU higher? This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Before the new semester begins, see what our Cougs have been up to over the break on the latest BYUSN right now. It's dropping like a hot track tonight on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Man, I am so old. I so regret saying that. He is Jason Bourne's stunt double. I am Spencer for Hire, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Man, you're old. Yes, I am. Hey, you're not that far behind me, so don't worry (laughs) about it. True. (laughs) That's that's true. Uh, Okay. Now answer this question very carefully. Knight, when was the last time you remember BYU players having as much impact on the NFL playoffs as they are right now? Uh, maybe when Steve Young was the quarterback for the 49ers, Bart Oates, you know, Jason Beck was, sorry, Jason Buck was still in the NFL. Like, it's tough. Yes. It's tough to really pinpoint a time where there were this many. Yes. The quantity is hard to to compare to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe late 80s to mid 90s. Yeah, that's kind of that's that's the only thing I can think of is that 80s to 90s crossover time when you had Steve Young at his prime. But right now you've got multiple teams all still in the playoffs, not just that have BYU Cougars on the roster. We're talking about starters making an impact or if they're not starters, certainly getting significant playing time. I, I, this is really fun that this many Cougars in the NFL are making an impact. Sure, there were three quarterbacks from BYU in the NFL at the same time. Four, as a matter of fact. Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, and Robbie Bosco were all in the NFL at the same time. Ty Detmer came on shortly thereafter, but uh, I believe 
Mark Wilson was out of the mix by the time Ty Detmer got in in 1991. But so like that, that's, that was the time, right? This is the glory days. Are we back there? Well, we're about to add some too, by the way. Okay. Jason, which one of the several Cougars in the National Football League will have the greatest playoff impact on the success of their respective teams going forward? Well, I, I will surprise no one when I say safety Daniel Sorensen of the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Come on. It seems to be the guy, right? No. Come on, man. Come on. What do you mean, come on? It's so much easier for That could a be a like, homer pick and a legitimate pick. Hey, I love Daniel more than most. But what I'm saying is it's harder for a defensive player to have a consistently big impact on their team. It just is by the nature of the game. So a guy like Taysom Hill can have an impact because what if Taysom Hill scores two touchdowns in the Saints' next playoff game? Automatically, he's like, oh, he's the guy. He's the star for BYU that I'm had sorry, the most Daniel. say. I'm sorry. Sorry, Spencer's not on board. I apologize. <laughs> I love Daniel. I love him. That's why we take late-night flights to Denver to interview him when you could do that and not the COVID era. It's true. Yes. After they beat the Broncos, right? Yes. All right, following his INT and the Browns' wildcard win over the Steelers, Sione Takitaki got the following shout-out over Twitter from LeBron James, quote, Takitaki, and then like 30 exclamation points. Mm -hmm. What's the closest thing to the LBJ shout-out you've gotten on Twitter? Oh, man, there were 12 exclamation points to be exact. Okay, okay. The closest thing to a LeBron James shout-out that I have gotten? Oh, man, I don't have anything even remotely close to that. Maybe something from Jamal Williams, uh, from, because I'm trying to think of like high level athletes. I have pictures with high level athletes, but not Twitter shout outs. So I'm going to go with uh, Taysom, Jamal, uh, those guys on Twitter probably give me a shout out. Okay. I am going back and forth between two. Could not be more opposite. I have had likes and retweets by both Donny Osmond and Vanilla Ice. So, look, it's like picking between your kids. I can't pick between Vanilla Ice and Donny Osmond, so it's a tie. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious, yes. Vanilla Ice. BYU Baseball was having a 90s night, and I had tweeted out, hey, BYU Baseball is having a 90s night. Hopefully there's lots of Vanilla Ice. He liked it, retweeted it. I need to go back and look at my Twitter history because you can go on Twitter's website and figure out like what your most yes. liked posts yes. are. So let's go let's research this. Shout out to Donny Osmond and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> if those two collaborate on something. We've been talking rankings today. <laughs> Vanilla Ice number two all time for me. <laughs> no, not really. Stadium Sports Brett McMurphy has BYU ring 14th in his final AP top 25 poll. By the way, we just found out. It will be released two hours after the national championship. Why two hours? Give people time to vote. I don't know. Is 14 too high, too low, or just right for BYU? Uh, I think it's too low. I, I think it'll be closer to 10. If I don't know if it will be 10, but I think it will be closer to 10 than 14. He has four loss Florida at number 11, Jason. It's ridiculous. Four so, loss Florida. It's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, just come on. So I'm not putting a ton of credence into his final eight people ranking of BYU specifically. I think the Cougars are going to be number 11. I, clearly, I think this is too low. Everybody below BYU lost or didn't play a bowl game, and four teams above BYU lost. 
pretty significantly for most. So it's too low. All right. Jay Billis has BYU as his 58th team in his field of 68. Do you put more stock in Billis or Lunardi, who has BYU out? As much as I want to say more stock in Jay Billis, Joe Lunardi's deadly accurate, all things considered, when it comes to picking bracketology. It's one or two teams every year, basically, that he does not get right. Everybody else, he's pretty close, and he's pretty close with the seedings. Yes. So I, I put more stock into what Lunardi has to say. I put more stock into Jay Billis because he's telling me what I want to hear. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, folks. <laughs> Classic Jason Shepard, right? Hey, that's right. That's how Vanilla Ice would play it. I can promise you that right now. Stop. Collaborate <laughs> and listen. I wish my memory of... Things in general were as strong as my memory of word-for-word Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) I know it to this day by heart, word-for-word. Coming up, speaking of shout-outs, shout-out to Brother Michaels. Oh, yes. Book of Mormon reference last (laughs) night. And toss-up, which is the bigger game for BYU remaining on the schedule, at St. Mary's or home to Gonzaga? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. For Cougar Sports game highlights, interviews, and archived content, subscribe to the BYU TV Sports YouTube channel today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. It's time we play Toss Up, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We're going to toss it over to Ben Bagley. All right, guys, let's start with Toss Up number one, Will would you rather have BYU finish in the top 20 or the top 10 in the AP football poll or have a single digit NCAA tournament seed? Ooh, who goes first on this? You go first. Um, I am going to say I want the BYU football team to be rewarded for their season. I'll say I'll say top 10 for BYU football. The football season has already been decided, so I'm not going to put as much stock into an actual final ranking as I am to the idea that BYU basketball would play well enough to be a single-digit seed. So if I could guarantee that, I'm going single-digit seed in the NCAA tournament for men's basketball. Okay. All right, next one, toss-up. Will BYU hire a familiar face as a new O-line coach or bring in someone new? I think BYU just may go with somebody familiar here, Ben. Garrett Tujay's out there. Can they lure him back from Virginia? Love you, Garrett. If you're listening, we love you. You know what? I'm not opposed to uh, going against the grain and bringing back a guy like Ryan Pugh. I know that it's been weird in the media for him and, and you know, cancel culture and all that stuff, but I, I'm not opposed to bringing Ryan Pugh back. Also, Dallas Reynolds technically could be considered a former BYU guy, so I like those three guys. Yeah, I, I would... I would lean towards maybe somebody that's familiar, somebody that we know, because BYU's had, in recent years, had a lot of guys at that specific coaching position uh, that did a really nice job that I think could certainly be candidates and maybe come back. So, yeah, I would say I would lean towards uh, recognizing that person versus not. Okay. Up next. All right, next one. Toss-up. Bigger game left on the BYU Hoops schedule. At St. Mary's on Thursday or Versus Gonzaga at home on February 27th. This is not close, Ben. Not close. It is St. Mary's on the road. Here's why. Because BYU can win that game, and it is a quad one opportunity that is a winnable game for the Cougars. Gonzaga at home. BYU's got like an 11% chance to win that game, according to TeamRankings.com. BYU has close to a 50% chance of winning the game against St. Mary's. 
If BYU beats the Gales in Moraga, they then have three quad one victories at San Diego State, at Utah State, and at St. Mary's. The game against St. Mary's has more ramifications for BYU's realistic at-large chances. Yes, it's without question winning Thursday night in Moraga. And, as crazy as it sounds, BYU's had more success winning in Spokane than Moraga. It, it's just been a place that BYU, for whatever reason, has struggled. So I, and I think this team, I, I'm excited for that game Thursday. This, I think this BYU team comes out extremely motivated. I'm looking forward to this one, but it's absolutely that game against St. Mary's versus the game against Gonzaga. On to number four. Toss up the SpongeBob field goal posts or the end zone touchdown slime cannons. It's SpongeBob for me. <laughs> Anytime you can see that goofy grin between the uprights, your day gets better. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm all in on SpongeBob. The slime in the end zone was just kind of weird because I feel like touchdowns are a good thing. I don't want to get slimed if I do something celebratory okay, and good. It was digital slime. It Nobody really actually slimed. got slime. I know, but still the idea of it. Look, the the SpongeBob face right in my mug was a little... It's amazing. It was a little creepy to me. <laughs> so I'm definitely going the slime cam for touchdowns, even though they didn't get to use it very much in that game. Oh, uh, wide right. <laughs> Next. Last one. Toss up. Who you got tonight in the college football championship game? Roll Tide or the Ohio State? Jason, you go first. Roll Tide, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think they're the number one. They're the best team in college football. Uh, but yeah, I, I pulling for Alabama. I, I, have, I have mentioned this earlier. I have no problem rooting for Nick Saban or Alabama. So that's who I've got tonight. Alabama, and they're the best team. Alabama has three of the top six college football players in the country. Think about that. Three of the top six players in the country are on the same team on the same side of the ball. Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and Mac Jones. And Najee Harris is basically crazy. a cougar. <laughs> so Two unofficial visits. To I'm Provo. just saying. Had the Alabama Not coaches saying, worried I'm just for a saying. second. Got a phone call. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Alabama. I think by double figures. I'm all in on Roll Tide. They're so good. They are so good. It's unfair almost. I actually, you know, as much as we bag on it, we're all still going to tune in. It's still the national championship yeah. game. That's, that's why they know, like, yeah, everyone gripes and complains that these teams are always the same, yet everybody tunes in and the numbers are huge. You know what's weird about tonight's game that might actually help it? Ohio State is kind of the wild card because they've only played seven games and they're like, oh, maybe, maybe. And they shocked Clemson, so it's like, oh, maybe they're, maybe they're the real deal. Could they do it again? So there's some added intrigue yeah. there. All right, coming up, a rising shout-out to Al Michaels and Wholesome Programming. <laughs> yes, a rabbit hole of wholesome content, y'all, to be specific, and how the final AP ranking for BYU football will impact your view of the entire 2020 season. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio app. Or you can download the podcast. All you need to do, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget, while you're there, subscribe, rate, and review the show. So just going back over my last year of tweets, my top mention was from one Jay Billis, who was mentioned earlier in the program. Who clearly has more, you know, credibility when it comes to BYU's current ranking. (laughs) 
All, all inconvenience, right? <laughs> Our question of the day, how will the final AP ranking for BYU football have an impact on how you view the 2020 football season. In response, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. From at Curtis underscore Garrick in on the Twitter machine. Nope, no impact. I had fun watching BYU. They were awesome. Rankings? I don't need no stinking rankings. BYU BT dubs on Instagram ads as a second elite tweet. If BYU finishes in the top 10, it will be more appealing to recruits, especially local and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints recruits. I am very curious to see what this type of season does for the next next recruiting cycle and maybe, you know, even the one after. I, I, I love that aspect of what a season like this can do for BYU football. The trampoline effect you yes. hope in recruiting. Yep. All right, today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. So... Watching Sunday night football last night, playoff game between the Steelers and Browns, and uh, one Al Michaels dropping a Book of Mormon reference uh, in reference to the book that tells you whether to go two, go for two or not, or mm-hmm. kick the extra point. Michael said this quote: "I don't know what book they're talking about—the Book of Love, the Book of Mormon, whatever it was." <laughs> in quote, I just love the fact that. Talking about books, Book of Mormon was top of mind to Al Michaels last night during a playoff he game. He must have been thinking, I'm guessing, something about Sione Takitaki knowing his backdrop that he went to BYU and his ties with Look, the church. Look, maybe. You, I don't, but I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it had any connection to that. It was just awesome. Now, my rise and shout-out goes to the gym internet, Jason. The gymnastics. It's a real thing Twitter you're telling folks, me. folks, okay? They never disappoint. From at That's Jim Mazing on Saturday night during the Best of Utah Meet live on BYU TV. Quote, I just went down a BYU TV rabbit hole post-meet. That's some wholesome programming, y'all. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> that it is. We do it for you at That's Jim Mazing. Our thanks to today's guest, ESPN College Football Insider and expert Trevor Maddich. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jason Shepard, I am Spencer Linton. In honor of BYU women's soccer starting up today, shout out to Chloe Coolahan. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. <laughs>